You know, uh, you know what the old country preacher said, don't you? He said, when the skillet's hot, anything will cook, you know? So uh, it's getting pretty hot in here. So I, 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 li I like that. All right, here we go. Hush up, girl. Alright, so let's, uh, let's look at Philemon. We're in verses 8 through 10 today. We're preaching through this little bitty book that has a whole lot in it. And let me read the scripture for you today. For this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to command you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, an elderly man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you, my son Onesimus. I fathered him while I was in change, meaning a spiritual birth, uh, a, a son in the ministry. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I do want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today in this room, you see me differently. I'm a teacher and a preacher of your word on me is a greater judgment than anybody standing here today. And I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you all today. Had a good service, well attended in the first service and thank you for being here today. <clears throat> I left you with verse seven last Sunday. As we go through uh, Paul's letter to Philemon, a dear friend, and a Christian brother. And I left you uh, focusing on the word refresh there at the end, uh, that we, uh, we see Philemon as being a person who's been a refreshment, a blessing is the way we left it, uh, to people in the ministry, to those around him, uh, so that you'll get the scene if you're new to our church or you're a guest here today. Philemon is a Christian man, he's a coworker with Paul, he's been involved in ministry, He's also a slave owner, which they had the Roman right to be that during that time. And Onesimus is one of his slaves who has run away. And when he ran away, he came to know the Lord through Paul's ministry, Paul's teaching, and his influence. And now Paul is trying to get Onesimus to go back to Philemon and for Philemon to receive him in a, in a different way not as a slave owner and a slave, but to see him as a brother in the Lord. So in verses eight through 10, he's making an appeal to, on the behalf of Onesimus, the slave. He's telling Philemon that you and I are Christian brothers and you're gonna to need to receive him as a Christian brother too, because he now knows the Lord. I, I wanna say this on every sermon in, through the book of Philemon. We're not advocating that Christians and slavery go together. But in Rome and in this time and culture, it was, it was incredibly common uh, to have a slave. So it, not saying it's right, I'm just saying that's the way it was in this day and time. In fact, in Rome, some of the historical estimates are there's 60 million slaves. There's even indication that some people owned as many as 20,000 slaves at one time meaning in, in they all were placed with different value depending on what they could or could not do. So again, I'm not saying it's right, but it's common. And we're gonna see in this book that Paul is addressing slavery on a personal note. He's also addressing slavery uh, in an institutional way. 
And then he's also going to handle slavery when it comes to a Christian focus. So I want to begin in verse 8 with us today, and I want you to see how Paul is beginning to approach Philemon. Remember, Paul is in prison, so he's physically not approaching. He's writing him a letter, which happens to be this letter. So he's under house arrest. Remember, we, we said they can't, if they can't shut him up, they shut him out, right? Only to find out they still can't shut him up, you know, because he's, he's getting this letter out. So we're going to be looking at the ways that he approaches Philemon here today. Uh, one of the ways is he said, I approach with boldness. I, I want you to see quickly before I go any further that the boldness is in Christ. We're, we don't... We don't approach people out of frustration and anger. And we don't march in there going, I'm going to prove you wrong and prove myself right. Our, our boldness is not to be in frustration or anger, conflict. Our, our, our boldness is in Christ. And we're going to see this in a, in a little deeper way here in just a moment. But we want to start there. Boldness means without fear. Boldness is the opposite of fear. And we, the boldness here and the challenge here is that he, he is going to challenge Philemon to do what is right, to do the right thing. Look at James 4.17, back to our good friend James here. He says, so it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. Uh, I, I want to remind you that in our walk with, the, with Christ, he, he demands and expects obedience. And that's hard work. I mean, we're all the time looking at situations around us going, what, what is the obedient kingdom thing for me to do here? And, and James says, if you know to do it and don't do it, if you know to do what is good and you don't do it, it, it becomes a sin. And, and guys, I could, I could go row to row, individual to individual out here, and we could finally get to, you know what's right and what's wrong. And I'm not just talking in a moral sense. I'm talking in a kingdom sense. Uh, our, our culture, most of us in this room have been brought up in church in some capacity, whether we wanted to be or not. So I, I could bring up a topic, and I believe you could respond, what would be the kingdom choice and what would be the worldly choice? And James says, if, if who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it, then to them it is sin. I want you to get the picture. Philemon is not a new Christian. Philemon is a co-worker in the ministry. He's a dear friend of Paul's. Uh, he has helped other people. He's a refreshment to people who are in ministry. I certainly have those people in my life. I can tell you that, Julie and I do. That they're nothing but a blessing to us. Never one time been anything but a blessing to us. And that's what Paul is looking at Philemon as he's been nothing but a blessing. But you know, it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how mature we are in the Lord. We all have things we need to learn. We, we have things we need to rearrange in our life. And if you're going, is Paul going to challenge Philemon to rearrange some things in his life concerning slavery? The, the answer is yes. He's going to do that. The, the 
Paul, is Paul throwing up the kingdom principle here that you may, you're not doing in your life? Yes, absolutely he is. Do you remember, some of you all remember the WWJD bracelets we would all wear? What would Jesus do? Was a reminder to just look at what's going on in our life and what would be the kingdom choice here. And it's not going to match the world choice. It's not going to look like it. It's going to look really different. It may even look real confusing to you. But there's a kingdom approach to everything. Every devotion you've ever taken, you've ever read, you've ever been a part of, is meant for you to look at your life to see, does this pertain to me? In any fashion, any scripture you've been involved in, it's meant to look at it as, does this pertain to me? How does this pertain to me? In fact, the last supper that the Lord had with his disciples, he made a statement that one of you is going to betray me. And you know how every one of them reacted? Could it be, could it be me? When you and I handle a devotion, when we're in the word of God, we need to look at it and go, do I resemble anybody in this story, in this parable, in this teaching? Do I resemble anything? It's, it, there's a desire to do the right thing, and I'm not just talking morally. I'm talking above morally. I'm talking the kingdom thing. There, there is a desire to do that kingdom thing, and the kingdom of God just wrapped up in your life. I, uh, I can remember when I first went to school, uh, first grade, and uh, it happened to be in, in Maryville, Tennessee, Fort Craig Elementary School. And I can remember my first day of class, and you know, mom was double checking to make sure I had everything ready to go. And I walked to school. I didn't live too far from the school, so I walked to school. And I, I can remember I went to my dad and asked for a dime. And uh, when I asked for a dime, my dad's response immediately was, Jeff, we've, we've already paid for your lunch for the week. If you remember how you did that back then. And uh, he goes, what do you need a dime for? And I said, well, dad, they may take up an offering. My point is, do you see how much of that was ingrained in my life? Uh, not, not, I was just raised to, to tithe. And that's a Christian principle. If I make a hundred bucks, 10 of it goes to the Lord. No questions asked. Uh, and so here I am, a little first grader, asking for a dime so that I'll be ready when they take up an offering at school. And I, I guess then the Lord knew I was going to be a preacher because I tell younger preachers, uh, we can hear you going for your billfold a mile away, by the way. I just want you to know that. So the, the picture is that was so ingrained to me, I thought that happened everywhere you went. It, it's a kingdom life. And there's no separation in that kingdom life. And Paul is telling Philemon here, you've got some things to correct in the kingdom. You're, you, you love the Lord and you love me, me and Paul. You, you, you're a refreshment to everybody in ministry. But in the good of all that, there's still some kingdom adjustment that's got to occur in your life concerning concerning Onesimus, and we're going we're gonna to be getting that. I want to make this statement, and I want you to think, Paul 
is telling Philemon to think with the mind of, of Christ and his kingdom and not in the mind of Rome. Did you all hear that? There, there, are, there are people who are faithfully serving the Lord all over the world and their government is not a free society for them. So I, I, want, I want you to know that kingdom life always uh, perseveres through government life. And he's, he's going, I know you're thinking of having a slave in the mind of Rome, but I'm asking you to think with the mind of Christ. Even though he loves the Lord, there's some tweaking that needs to occur in his life. So when he says that I'm going to appeal to Philemon with boldness, remember it's not anger and frustration and conflict. It's not I'm right and you're wrong and I'm going to prove it. It's I am, I am, I am bold with you in the person of Christ in my appeal to people to live in a kingdom. Verse 8, verse 9. We're going to see another appeal, but we want to talk about this boldness for a moment. He said, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. Love is what covers our boldness. Absolutely covers it. Uh, Paul could address Philemon as uh, the missionary that he is, the authority that he has as an apostle, but he, he doesn't come in that way. He said, Philemon, I'm coming to you out of love. The love that we have for each other, the love that Christ has for us. I want you to listen to this statement. Paul is eager to see a relationship between Philemon and Onesimus that had never existed before. Remember, I'm not saying Philemon wasn't good to Onesimus. He's just saying, I want you to consider receiving him as a brother because we read in the intro scripture that he came to Christ through Paul's ministry. I, I'm gonna challenge you to receive him as a brother and not as a slave. To see him in the family of God. And Paul has the authority to come to Philemon in all kinds of ways. Listen, some of us in this room, we have titles, we have positions, we have power. Uh, we're not to approach people in those ways. We approach people with love. But I think it's key here that you understand Paul is wanting to see a relationship between Philemon and Onesimus that had never existed before. Guys, that's where I am as a pastor. Uh, I, I've, 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 I've been that, I, as we said growing up, I've been that carnal, that worldly backsliding Christian. I've, I've gone and played my golf instead of going to, to Julie to church. Uh, and, and, and then again, my foursome was at Lincoln Homestead in Springfield, which is a little few miles from Campbellsville, so that I wouldn't run into anybody I knew, right? And lo and behold, I would run into people that I know. Uh, one of them came up to me one day and they'd go, where's Julie? She in church? And I'm going, man, that this just stab me with a knife, you know? I mean, you understand? I understand that. Listen, listen, folks. Here's what I want you to hear. I have a relationship with even you all that I would probably never have had you not come to Christ and I came to Christ. We, we have a relationship right now 
that it is happening all because of Christ. All because of the Lord. He's brought it together. Uh, I, uh, I, I told in the first service a story about a man named Royce Wilson. Royce is dead now. He's with the Lord. But he is from Russell County, Russell Springs, and ha has a big family there. And he uh, left Russell County to go to Detroit to work in the automobile plants and worked there, retired, came back. So when I was pastoring in Russell County, he had already retired. And good golfer, great golfer, pretty much a scratch golfer. He, he's left-handed, I'm left-handed. We played together a lot. I'd share the Lord with Royce and talk to him about the Lord. And we were friends. And, but we get to talking about the Lord and he, he would get a little distant from me. And uh, I moved here in, in, uh, in July. I came here in July in, of 94. And after I was here a couple years, I got a phone call that Royce had given his life to Christ. And I rejoiced in that. So I went back in the area to preach. And I'm used to seeing Royce on the golf course. Uh, there he was in church listening to me preach. And eager, he, he got in his Sunday school, he got into the Word of God and, and study, and just a Royce I never knew. And because uh, the Royce I knew was very antagonistic, very critical, and, and uh, loved me, uh, but just could be very critical about a lot of things. In fact, he was believing that God couldn't save him, and the Lord did. So after the sermon, he came up to me, shook hands, made a beeline real quick to me. And uh, Royce was a real athletic guy. Man, he, he shook hands with me with a great big hand grip. And I could tell in the hand grip that he had money folded up in our, in our grasp. I could tell it was money in there. And uh, so I opened my hand and it's folded up money. And I said, what is this? He said, I want you to have it. I said, I don't want it. And I'm just being serious. Don't think I was lying. You know, going, yeah, I really want it. You know, I, I, I don't want it. And he goes, no, you have to take it. I said, why? Why are you giving me this? So uh, some of you know I love to hunt, and outdoors is a big part of my life. And uh, dogs have been a big part of my life, and training dogs. So Andrew was a little boy, and uh, I, I, bought a, a, I bought a pair of beagle dogs, rabbit dogs, from Royce. And if, you, if you're wondering what kind they were, they were blue tick. They were good. I, I bought two male brothers out of the same litter, named them Amos and Andy. And you, you've got to be old to figure that one out. If you're young, you don't get it, but you can, you can figure it out. So moved them here, moved them here with us. We rabbit hunted, used to keep them out Scotty Buckley's farm out there in the Nineveh area, Buck Meadows for you. If you go out there, that's the farm I'm talking about. And uh, so Royce had that money. We're shaking hands, there's that money in there. So I had bought these dogs from him. Now, this is after he came to the Lord. He, I said, Royce, take this money. He goes, no, I don't want it. He said, I can't take it, Jeff. I said, why? He said, I, you remember those dogs I sold you? I said, yeah. He goes, I knew you didn't know anything about dogs. He said, I skinned you pretty good on those dogs. And he said, this is the money that I beat you out of, and you've got to have it. Now, I'm not telling a story to talk about dogs. I'm telling a story that I met a man who was not the same anymore because he had came to Christ. And the kingdom thing for him to do was to pay me back in a way that he had cheated me. You all see that? Royce and I had a relationship before the dogs. 
We had even a relationship when he skinned me with the dogs. But our relationship was, hadn't existed like it does now. Do you see what I'm saying? That it, all because of Christ. All because it's a deeper, a more real relationship. And he said, the Lord told me I have to do that. And then I was looking around the audience for anybody else who had skinned me in that lifetime while I was there. I just sitting there waiting, Lord, line them up. You know, just line them up. Uh, so, I had to, uh, uh, there you go. We had to laugh. There's enough to cry about today, isn't there? Uh, so, the relationships are different. And Paul is looking for a relationship between Philemon and Onesimus that had never existed. Guys, I wish that for you. I'm telling you, you and I know each other only because you came to Christ and I came to Christ. He, he makes that reality happen. It wouldn't happen without him. And you, you can say to me, I don't see God doing the impossible anymore. The fact that he's put us together is the impossible becoming possible. When you come to Christ and other come to Christ, we, we reach a deeper level of relationship than we've ever had before. We, we are now, we're family. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we look at each other in such an incredible way. Only a Savior can do that. Only a Savior can do that. And so in this verse, he's been appealing to Philemon all the time as a co-worker, a co-laborer, a dear friend, a refreshment to his life. But even now, he pulls on his heartstrings a little bit. He said, don't forget, Philemon, I'm an old man and I'm in jail. You see that? He's really tugging on his heartstrings. Uh, remember, if you couldn't shut him up, you tried to shut him out, but yet that didn't stop. And here's something I want you to see in these, this verse, and really these verses, 8, 9, and 10 today. Nothing stopped Paul from discipling people. Nothing. Prison did not stop him. They're, they're wanting to isolate him, but yet he still wrote this letter to Philemon. It still got to them, and it still got to him. He never quit discipling people. He never let prison, never let prison squelch the fact that he's got to influence people to live the kingdom life, continually to be able to do that. Uh, I want to speak about that in discipleship to all of us today and to anybody listening today. We sometimes look at uh, discipleship as being something convenient when I get around to it. I can work it in my schedule. Uh, you know, God, don't you know that my schedule's crazy? Don't you know that I've got this going on? Uh, Julie and I could say that about Papaw being in the nursing home. And we, now we just see people in the nursing home as our second family. When they have birthdays, we go to their birthday parties. We ended up ministering to, to their extended family. Uh, it's just really incredible what the Lord does. But I, we could say, you know, we've got Papaw duty, which is what we call it now. There's got a lot of things going on. I, I've got a lot of schedule crunch and I, I can't be a part of discipling people or being discipled by anybody else. 
I just want to remind you that nothing stopped Paul. Paul was eager to see people have a relationship with Christ and each other, a relationship that was impossible with, with uh, the only way it became possible is with Christ and through Christ. He, 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 he striving for that. While I was putting this together, I'm reminded of a, a man in discipleship. Instantly when I read this, my mind went to this man in history. Some of you know about him, uh, some of you don't, but the man is named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was a German pastor uh, during uh, the rise of Hitler, and he was a Lutheran pastor in Germany, and he would speak out against Hitler. He would get on the radio, and he would denounce Hitler, all of his movement, only to have the wires pulled on the radio broadcast while he was speaking. He publicly addressed people uh, to not follow this man, all kinds of things. He became a personal threat to, the, to, to Hitler and anything that had to do with the Nazi movement. Uh, he believed that when you followed Christ, you followed Christ. You put all things behind you. He, he said, I welcome suffering. I welcome suffering because suffering is a part of the Christian life. You're gonna live in this world, you're gonna encounter difficulties and hard times. Most of us wanna live our life and dodge the hard times. You won't dodge the hard times. They're there, this world presents them, we've gotta let him lead us through them, but he welcomes suffering. Um, as he was in prison, because he was a personal threat to Hitler, he was, uh, he was still writing letters to people in prison, just like Paul is doing, which is one of the reasons it made me, it reminded me of Bonhoeffer. And he could pass them through some of the guards uh, where they would not be censored. And so they got out to other people. He was discipling people as he was in prison, you know, that were in prison with him. Uh, he actually wrote a, a, a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Uh, I think a must read for everybody in the ministry. Uh, in, in fact, there's a movement now in North America that is absolutely going to other parts of the world, and it's a discipleship program. It's referred to as the Bonhoeffer Project. And he was executed. He was executed along with other people, but Hitler had something really special for Bonhoeffer. Everybody else was hanged, but Bonhoeffer was hanged with piano wire. I'll just let your imagination go with that. Uh, but they said he approached his execution with bravery and he prayed to the Lord uh, before his execution. Uh, what I'm trying to say here is we need to look in our life and you, you can say, well, preacher, this is your mandate and Hope Church's mandate. It's a mandate that the, that the Lord put on all of us. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of me. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I will remind you that I will be with you until the very end of this age. So his, it's not my mandate, it's his mandate. And we live in such a convenient world that you and I wait for the right time to disciple somebody. And the right time is now. 
No matter what you're going through, whether it's Bonhoeffer addressing the Third Reich or it is Paul in prison, nothing kept them from helping people come to a relationship with Christ. That is the beginning of all relationships. It's a continual basis. I wanted you to see that picture of discipleship that was there. Nothing more was on their heart and mind. And whenever I meet somebody, I look at it in such a way as, Lord, there's a purpose in this meeting. There, I don't, it may last for a few minutes. I have no idea. But there's a purpose for that. God, how will you use me in ever what little time I'm with somebody or ever how much I'm with somebody? How do you use that to accomplish what you want in the kingdom? Lastly, verse 10, Paul has appealed to him in such a way that I'm reminding you of how close we are. Secondly, Paul appealed to him in the fact that I am... Uh, I'm wanting you to have a relationship with Onesimus that you've never had. And then third, he's appealing to him. I want to remind you, Philemon, you're a part of the family of God. I appeal to you for my son in the ministry, not his biological son, Onesimus. I followed him, meaning the Lord used him to come to lead him to Christ when I was in chains, even in, even in prison, he was reminding him that God is sovereign, that God puts us together over and over and over again. Imagine a runaway slave being in a big city and he happens to find Paul who is a friend to his slave owner. Just put that together for just a moment. They're in Rome and we talk about divine appointments it seems like an incredibly divine appointment that Onesimus runs into Paul, who's a friend of Philemon, and Onesimus is a runaway slave from Philemon. And once he comes to know the Lord, Paul knows something needs to be reconciled. Paul knows that Onesimus and Philemon need to get something corrected in their life. And one thing that he's doing is he said, as he's, he's, he's trying, is, is Paul setting Philemon up? The answer is yes. He's, he's going, Paul's going, earlier in this letter, I called you my brother and my friend. And now I'm calling Onesimus as my son in the ministry. And I want you to receive him on the basis of the family of God. We're getting ready to take communion during our invitation. It's not my table, our table, it's his table. And he asked us two things in the church to do. To baptize people in remembrance of him and all that he has done and to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He asked us to take this meal together because this meal says we're family, that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. That the, the greatest gift we've ever received is through Christ, and that's the gift of salvation. And so the bread represents his body that's been given to us as a sacrifice. The blood, rep the drink represents his blood that was shed uh, so that we could have freedom and the forgiveness of sin. And so when we come to this table today, I want you to think about family.
And I, I, I want you to think about the family of God. We were enemies of him. I, I can pull up the scripture for you. I have many times in my 30 years of being here. We're enemies. We were his enemies. And you know what he did? He adopted us as his sons and his daughters. What a, what a great father he is. Enemies. And he takes us as his sons and his daughters. Remember that today. We, we come here with grace in our mind. I want to remind you that Philemon starts off with grace. And when we get to the last verse, he'll end with grace. Because you need to remember that God's grace went through everything it needed to go through to find you. And not only have we received it, which we need to give thanks, we need to give it. Because our relationships through Christ are different than any relationship on the earth. It's deeper, it's better, it's forever. In Christ, you'll always be my brother and my sister, always. And it's a deeper meaning than any other relationship on the planet. Even our own biological family. He says, we stick closer than a biological brother and a sister. So re remember the family of God when you come today. Thank the Father for the gift of Jesus. And, and remember the grace that he has given us. And as we leave this place today, let's do the right thing, okay? Not the moral right thing, the kingdom right thing. Where is the kingdom adjustment that you know, without me saying a word to you, that you need to adjust in your life? Will you make that commitment to that today? I know, I know what the right thing to do is. I know what the kingdom choice is. And today, Lord, I'm making that choice. Second thing well, I want you to walk out here to don't walk to people in authority and I'm right and you're wrong and anger and frustration. We come out of love. If you love somebody, you warn them. You talk to them about it. You don't hide it. You, you, you talk to them about it. So approach people with love. And then last, be a good family member. Be a good church member. Don't be a bad actor. Be who you need to be in the family of God because it's the most beautiful family in the world that exists today. It's unbelievable. What a savior. All the things that he pulls together in unity and harmony with him. And, and today, let's, let's come as brothers and sisters to the table. Let's thank the Father for the Son and his sacrifice. Let's, let's thank him for the grace that he's given us and make commitments that you're gonna, you're, you're gonna pass out that grace to people. Do all those that are there, just thank you for all that he's done for us. Let me, let me pray over you, okay, before we come to the table. Father, I pray over our people today. And I, I say a prayer for us and they will continue this prayer. Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. You make the impossible possible. And part of that possibility is the fact that we get to connect 
as brothers and sisters through you. We thank you for the spirit of adoption that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your grace bestowed upon us and how deep it reached to find us. And we say thank you for that. Lord, we remember your son today, the sacrifice of his body, the, the, the shedding of his blood, that we could be forgiven and free, no matter what government we're in, to live your kingdom life. And we say thanks. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. We pray together. Amen. Church, would you stand? The team's going to lead us. You come, get the bread, the cup, take it back to your seat, take it here. If you're a believer, you're part of another church, you're welcome into our family together. Come to the table. Let's remember and let's give thanks.